So welcome to episode three. Um, last weekend, Manu and I were in the central coast of Australia with our friends Alex and Joe, so there was no podcast last weekend. Um, and I know what you're all thinking, inevitably. Oh, you know, now that you're this internationally renowned podcast host, you're, you're getting complacent, you've lost your touch, etc., etc. Well, you are spot on, absolutely. You know, I'm absolutely rolling in it now, all the fame, all the attention, so I don't need to do this. But anyway, you know, I thought I'd hop on, do another little one. thought we could um, cover the weekend away, and then we went to see the new James Bond film, uh, No Time to Die. We went to see that the other day, and there are a few things I want to discuss, so let's get cracking. So as I mentioned, uh, Manu and I took a wee trip with our American pals, Alex and Joe, and their pup, Chief, to the central coast of New South Wales last weekend. Um, Central Coast piece might need to be specified to anyone that hasn't been to this great country before. Um, quick geography lesson here, but New South Wales, southeastern chunk of Australia. And although when you hear the word Central Coast, you might think of Australia in terms of the middle coast of Australia, the Central Coast piece of Australia. Whereas New South Wales has a Central Coast of its own. Um, and it's a very interesting place indeed. So highlights, I guess, from the trip, you know, there's dog-friendly beaches, which are surprisingly rare in and around Sydney, so that's always nice to get to one, um, and just let Gus run around like the big bumbly idiot that he is. Um, Chief, Alex and Joe's dog, is a German short-haired pointer, and I'm pretty sure he's about six, maybe seven, um, but he tolerates Gus just about. A few little kind of please, piss off, leave me alone growls, but nothing serious. So the two of them are just running around, which is fantastic, um, up on the central coast couple of, I don't want to say low lights because that sounds a bit negative, but, you know, less exciting bits, I suppose, of the, of the trip. Anytime, anytime Manu and I go anywhere on a trip outside of Sydney or Melbourne, um, everything in that town or city seems to shut at like 5pm. So finding dinner is always an absolute mission. We went to uh, Hobart in uh, Easter, which is the capital of Tasmania, which is another geography nugget for you there. Um, uh, we went there for three days in Easter and everything was shut. You know, like one of the biggest holidays of the year. One of Australia's hottest Easter destinations was an absolute ghost town. Um, and it was kind of the same in the Central Coast. So Mano claimed to have found something on Facebook called Food Fest, um, which was advertised as like a collection of food trucks and kind of tasty treats and all this stuff. Um, and we rocked up and there was literally one ice cream truck called Duff's and it was just shuttering up and, you know, closing everything down. Um, so back to the Airbnb we went. And that, yeah, that was kind of our weekend in, a weekend in Central Coast. Really nice Airbnb, hot tub, all that jazz. Um, it was all good, but not a lot going on in terms of food, in terms of things to do. Um, and that apparently is the, the Central Coast. So, you know, not much to see here. So let's do some, some sport and some James Bond. Ran, I ran way too long on sport chat last week, so I'm going to speed through it this time. Um, but it's going to be Scotland focused. So Scotland are trying to qualify for the not at all controversial Qatar World Cup next year. Um, and they had a massive win, a massive win against the international footballing powerhouse that is Moldova. Moldova, absolutely global football power, which means they now have the pleasure of making it to the playoffs for the World Cup, where they're going to be up against an actual team, like an Italy or a Spain or something crazy. So I'm not holding my breath that Scotland are going to get to the World Cup, but 
still riding high after a massive Euro 2021 competition in which we played three games and scored one goal. So the bar is fairly low. But don't worry, that sport sport done, ticked off. Had to had to get that shout in there to Scotland. Um James Bond, no time to die. Oof. Um I was very, very excited about this one. It's been six years since Spectre, which I thought was very average. A very average Bond film. So I needed a James Bond refresh. I needed a new one to wash the, the nasty Spectre taste from my mouth. So I'm gonna break this into a few different pieces. Um, which I think are the, the key components of any Bond film. So the first will be the, the opening credits, I guess, the, the kind of creative piece as well as the song, um, and then the locations and the countries that the film actually takes place in, and then the characters themselves. So opening credits-wise, you know, always iconic, a lot of pressure to produce something memorable and kind of quirky and edgy, but not something that drags on for too long. And this one, you know, I thought it was a, a solid, solid song, solid performance by Billie Eilish, uh, whose music I'm usually very hot and cold on, either because it's usually three minutes of whispering or three minutes of mumbling. Um, but this was good, you know, some really cool visuals as well that, as usual, make a lot more sense when you've actually seen the film. But, you know, opening credits, good, off off to a good start. On the, the plot side of things, I don't want to talk too much about the plot. Um, especially for anyone who hasn't actually seen it, even though I'm sure this film was most likely released a couple of years ago uh, and has just made it to Australia. So what I will say is um, this film's about two two hours, 45 minutes long. That's pretty long. Like that's, to me, that is long. You know, Skyfall and Spectre were both about two and a half hours on the nose, which is about my upper limit for films. Like films don't need to be that long. Like The Revenant was three hours and... Nothing happened in it. Like Leonardo DiCaprio fought a bear, and that was kind of it. Like it's three hours. I don't need that in my life. But anyway, how does No Time to Die? It starts really strong. I think it muddles about a little bit in the middle, um, as anything that is that long is going to do. But then it finishes with a bang. So I think it kind of comes back in the end, which is good. Um, locations. So the locations where the where the film is set up. A bit of a weird one, but this is up there for me. This film, No Time to Die. In terms of Bond films and the countries that they take place in, I liked every one of them in this film. Every one of them. Even the weird, evil, lair, disputed island thing where Remy Malik lives. Fantastic. So Italy, that's where it starts out, you know. It's very classic Bond, Aston Martin advert type of vibes. Um, white shirt, Tom Ford sunglasses, rampant rabbit kind of action going on. And when the fighting starts, it, it feels quite similar to the, the opening of Skyfall when they're ripping around Istanbul on motorbikes. So Italy, off to a good start. You know, it's a good one. And then they kind of have a little jaunt over to Cuba. Um, and, you know, James Bond goes to a nightclub in Cuba and Anna de Armas joins the party. So all in on Cuba, 100% tick. Fantastic. Norway. Norway is the one, right? Norway is the game changer. Norway is the winner for me here. You got forests, you got fjords. You have about a 15 minute spell where Toyota completely annihilates Land Rover as a, as an automotive brand that really needs to be repurposed into a car advert where a Toyota is literally just demolishing Range Rovers and Land Rovers off the road without a scratch on it. So, you know, just think about that. Toyota, that's a definite advert for you at some point. Um, and then, you know, with Norway comes a couple of a cabin scenes. You know, not not too surprising. You'd expect to find some cabins there. The sort of cabin you'd love to snag on Airbnb, but is either always fully booked or is 
extortionately priced. Um, and then the final thing on Norway and the Norway shooting that I wanted to, that I wanted to say is, um, this is the closest thing. I think I was thinking back on it. I reckon it's probably the closest thing we're going to get to a James Bond Star Wars crossover. Um, and those of you who have seen the film will know what I mean there. Um, but when he's, when, when Daniel Craig's kind of running around in a misty Norwegian forest, picking off, uh, Russian bad guys, he is effectively, you know, an Ewok James Bond, which I thought was outstanding. I was all about it. Um, and then the last location to call out is, is the, the <laughs> aforementioned island layer that is on some Japanese Russian, um, hybrid island. And I'm not obviously, look, I'm not on board with the purpose or the function of the island. Yeah, okay, it's an evil layer, whatever. But it's a good looking island. Like, it, it would not look out of place off the Scottish coast. Nice and remote. Obviously something you look for if you're a villain. You know, remote is good. Um, and it has an old submarine base, which is a lovely touch. You know, fantastic. So locations are good. You know, opening good. Locations good. We like it. Characters. Actual characters. Right, let's talk. Brass tacks, as it were. Um, I want to talk about five in particular. Obviously, you know, they're the usual kind of reliable performers. Your Qs, your Ms, your money pennies, um, all great, all part of the furniture. You know, turning good performances, they're reliable. You know what you're getting. Big fan. But I want to talk about five, kind of the main, the main five, as it were. So Daniel Craig. I reckon we all know who Daniel Craig plays, so I don't need to specify that. I think we should recognise that. I'm I'm a bit biased here, as growing up for me, James Bond has either been Pierce Brosnan um, or Daniel Craig. And, you know, Pierce was fine. Pierce did some good things, Goldeneye. You know, I can't can't complain too much about Goldeneye, but things definitely stepped up a bit when Daniel Craig came to town, for sure. Um, and he's very, very good in this. He's, you know, he's got his weathered, kind of fatigued look, but but not so much that you kind of think what he's doing when he's doing his crazy stunts or he's riding motorcycles one-handed or he's jumping off bridges. You know, it doesn't, it's not unbelievable. It's pushing boundaries, but it's not unbelievable. You know, he's, it looks like he could still do that. So he has that kind of athleticism going on still. Um, and he's got his usual one-liners, the great timing, facial expressions, all this kind of stuff. Um, but the big thing I think that's a bit different about this one compared to the other Bond films that I've seen is that um, the relationship that he has with the so-called Bond girl, Madeline Swan, played by Leah Sadu, uh, feels genuinely, you know, is very authentic and it kind of pulls you in, which is not necessarily what um, James Bond is known for when it comes to his relationship. So I thought it was a nice kind of upgrade on the usual um, James Bond though. You know, just kind of chase women, whoever they may be. So that was nice. So Daniel Craig, big tick against Daniel Craig. And that was big tick, I said there, for anyone who may may have misheard that. Um, next character, Madeline Swan, played by Leah Sadu. So um, <laughs> Madeline Swan's grown on me. I was not a fan when she popped up Inspector, but then I was not really a fan of Spectre. But I thought she was okay. You know, Inspector didn't really think that someone like James Bond would be as smitten with her as he was. Um, and as far as Bond girls go, not my fave. Um, but she ups her, she definitely ups her game in no time to die. You know, there's a lot more action. She's running around with a gun a lot more, kind of a lot more involvement from her. I'm easily pleased, you know, give her a gun, make her do some stuff. That's kind of what I need. But it makes me feel that she's a bit of a, it made me feel like a bit of a better fit for James Bond's kind of love interest, you know, when she's running around helping him see off some of the Russian guys. Um, so that bumped her up in my estimations, which no doubt she will be delighted about, I'm sure. Um, so Leah Sadu, you know, scorecard for her, much improved. Clearly she heard what I had to say about Spectre. 
has gone away. She put in the work and it shows. Well done, Leah. Fantastic. Um, on the, the villain side of things, Remy Malik, who plays, um, Safin. And Bond villains are a bit of a tricky breed to get right, I feel. Um, I think you need someone who's obviously a bit, you know, cunning, is a bit dark, a bit twisted. But also, I like, I think you need someone who could hold their own if, if James Bond was to suddenly turn around and do a bit of an Indiana Jones with the gun moment and kind of just say, right, I can't really be bothered with this nonsense. Like, I'm just going to, let's just have a scrap. Um, and so if you think about that, that's my criteria, my kind of educated criteria for, for Bond villains, as it were. I think Javier Bardem in Skyfall is probably the benchmark. And I think he's, you know, he's, he's quite hard to beat. He was, he was super creepy. He was devious, physically intimidating. He could pull out half his jaw, which is always a, a nice kind of party trick. Um, and then you have Christoph Waltz, Inspector. On the other hand, I thought he was, he was really good. Uh, I think he's a really good actor, but I never, I was never scared or intimidated by the guy. Um, I think, you know, he was, oh, I guess that's probably, that's, that is why they had, uh, Dave, uh, Batista as his kind of big henchman. And if you don't remember who that is, it's the scene inspector where, um, the rather large gentleman picks up a considerably smaller gentleman and proceeds to crush his skull with just his hands. Um, so I think that's probably them over indexing a little bit on the size, um, and strength. Whereas Christoph Waltz is more of the, you know, intellectual and kind of nerdy villain. Um, but that, yeah, I guess they worked as a double act, but I'm, more a fan of the Javier Bardem than the Christoph Waltz in that, in that spectrum. So, Remy Malik, I think, is more, is probably, well, Remy Malik kind of sits between the two. So, I think he's, he's Christoph Waltz in terms of his approach. And as again, I'm not going to say, uh, I don't want to say anything about the plot, but in terms of his plan and his kind of, um, his grand vision of what he wants to do, he's a bit more Christoph Waltz. Whereas, he's, he's got a little bit of the Javier Bardem in him. You know, he's got like, the island lair, the interesting kind of facial scarring. He's got a bit of a weird accent. He's a little bit of a, a quirky one. But then again, you know, I have to say disclaimer here because I am biased. Um, there was a time when we were living in London and I was uh, walking down Brick Lane and I walked past Remy Malik on Brick Lane. So naturally I feel like we're friends. So I'm going to defend him. But I genuinely yeah, thought he was a good villain. Nice and creepy. And the, and the mask. Pfft. There's a scene early on in the film when he's wearing it, when he pops up with the mask and, you know, it made Minot jump out of her skin, but that's, that's pretty easily done in films anyway. So, don't know if that's saying much. Um, don't worry, we've only got a couple more to go that I want to talk about, but second to last one is, uh, uh, Lashana Lynch, who plays Nomi. And so she has a great first scene in the film. Again, I don't want to say any more on that because this is spoiler free, but she comes into the film in a really cool way. Um, and again, this is some horrible cliche that sounds like a, a film critic, but she's a real um, breath of fresh air, I think, for the franchise because she she's just the antithesis of what James Bond is. She comes in, she's you know, if you, you could have like a teacher's pet secret agent, you know, she's really um, keen. She kind of wants to do everything. She wants to uh, make sure that M's kind of happy and like sees how hard she's working. Whereas James Bond obviously could give less of a crap about any of that. Um, so I think they work really well together. At the start, I didn't know how, how keen I was on her, but then that's probably just me not being a fan of change. So, you know, give her a chance. Gave her a chance. She grew on me. Um, Lasana Lynch, you know, good, very good, and excited to see more of her in the next few Bond films. Now we get to the one that I really want to talk about. The rest of this is just preamble. This is, this is the real one. 
So Anna de Armas, right? Paloma, as she is known in the film, is an absolute crime. This film is two hours and 45 minutes long, in case I haven't already mentioned that. Um, and she's only in it for about 10 minutes. 10 minutes of a two hour, 45 minute. Oh, don't. Oh, un- unreal. She's so, you know, engaging. She's energetic. She's likable in her 10 minutes. Um, and she absolutely destroys about 20 people in what I think is probably the best fight scene slash shootout scene in the whole film. Um, not to mention she's a very attractive woman. And I'm not saying that that, you know, merits additional screen time, but that certainly feels like the way Bond films usually operate. And when I saw trailers for this film, I 100% thought <laughs> that she was the Bond girl. So I was very excited when she first showed up, and I was equally very disappointed when she just as quickly disappeared from my viewing experience. Um, and, you know, if she isn't in a future film, then a very strongly worded email or an aggressive TikTok dance. I don't know how customers are supposed to interact with brands these days. Um, but we'll be flying into the inbox of an unsuspecting intern at MGM Studios. Or just give her own movie, you know, just an idea. I think that movie would be better than the one that Jennifer Lawrence did about a female James Bond, basically. Anyway, um, I've been talking for far too long. So Central Coast Weekend and James Bond, that's my, that's my episode three of Auto Talks. I'll see you next time.